Hey everybody, my name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um, before we get started, I want to give a special thank to Slate D. Biggs, um, and you can for coming on the last episode about Yu Hawk Show. If you like that episode, this is going to be a little bit different since it's only going to be me. Um, especially if this was your first time, if that was your first time listening, this one's only going to be me. But if you like that episode. I have guests on occasionally, if you've been listening for a long time, you already know that, but if you want to check out Slate stuff, just check out, you can go to his to his Instagram profile, which is AnimeMCS, all one word, all lowercase, on Instagram, and click the link to his, um, what's it called, to his YouTube channel, AnimeMCS, I know that he was working on a kind of big, cool, new, interesting, different kind of video, but he's got a bunch of videos up already. Check them out. I like them, and I hope you do too. But, that said, um, thank you to listening for to the You Hawk Show episode. If you haven't, we had a lot of fun with it. You can go back and you can listen to it in the feed. Um, but without further ado, let's get to what we're co- talking about this time. A little show that I have a lot of thoughts about called Comic Girls. about me, who doesn't follow me on Instagram, who, maybe this is your first episode, um, any way that you don't know about me, I am a trained animator and trained cartoonist, which means that all the stuff you, I'm not not practicing either of those, but I went to school very early on, before college, to learn, you know, end-to-end what those things entail, meaning animation and cartooning. The reason why this show is called Lunchbox Radio is because way before computers were advanced enough to handle hand animation really easily by themselves, there was a little device called a lunchbox, and that thing was basically a... Think of it as a VCR slash... like camera camera to TV interface kind of thing. And so what you would do with the lunchbox is you would have it hooked up to what to what's called a capture station, which in traditional hand animation means there is basically like a cutting board looking thing, a big mechanical a big like metal pole arm, and then like a tee off with some sort of camera. And I think it was like a probably a Canon Canon digital camera hooked up to it and then, like, bypassed out into what was called a lunchbox. And so, what you would do with a lunchbox is you take your hand-animated cells, meaning printer paper, which is a very special peg bar hole-punched out of it, and you would, put the, you would put that on the peg bar, which a peg bar is, you can get 
normal circle ones that are three circles, but animation peg bars are like oval, circle, oval, and the oval's on the outside and the circle's in the middle. And you would put those on one at a time, take a picture, move, take it off, put it, put it upside down, and many times you would write numbers in the bottom corner, in the bottom corner on the back, so you could keep them all in, in order, but the, the numbers wouldn't show. Lots of people would just write the numbers and info on the um, on the front, because usually this stuff is used for testing. And so you would do that as many times for as long as your animation was. So if your animation was like super detailed in 10 seconds, you know, 24 frames per second, um, you would have like 240 frames that you would do at that way. And then you would, on the launch box, you'd be able to hit the play button and it would play your animation on the TV. And at this point, we weren't even using flat screen TVs. It was straight up like the old TVs, what you would look at in like grade school. Um, but that shows, that gives you an idea of how much I know about animation as a medium and as a art form. In addition, I was trained as a um, cartoonist in the same school. I went to SVA for both of these things. This was pre-college. If you know anything about pre-college in SVA or in any other like New York City art school, you know that basically they are training you the same way they train a college student to go out and work in these professions. It's just you're a high schooler, basically. You are taking college-level classes in those things. So when I say I'm trained as an animator or, or I'm trained as a cartoonist, I mean that for real, not just for like, oh, haha, it's fun. No, I have done those things, you know, A to Z in their completion in my life, and I know how to do them. I'm not necessarily as talented as I as skilled as, not necessarily talented, but as skilled as I was back then to be able to pull it off, but that is in me somewhere. And I am also trained as a cartoonist, and what that means is I know, I know the ins and outs of creating an actual full comic book, which is very, which is both animation and manga or comic books have some crossover skills, but they are also very different. For example, you can you can take much more time and be less skilled as a cartoon as a cartoonist than you have to be as an animator because animation is very time intensive and it takes a long time to complete. Therefore, you have to compress that time somehow, and you need to be able to draw things without doubt, almost, if that makes any sense. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this all up um, is because I, regardless of whether I do cartooning or animation on a regular basis anymore, the one thing I still do all the time, and I'm holding the stylus right now, is I still draw on a daily basis. I, And most of it is figure drawing, like really intense, detailed figure drawing, and I... Inktober just happened, and I did a special combo Inktober where I matched up the normal Inktober um, prompt list with the um, with the prompt list that actually um, High Dive, the streaming platform, put out. And I did all 31 days of that. Some of them were awful. Some of them were amazing. Probably the most amazing one is the Toast Geisha. <laughs> Which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go see the Toast Geisha on my Instagram feed, um, which is, I think, at Alex, at Alex Holt Cohan on Instagram. Um, but the Toast Geisha is the best. The Toast Geisha is like a pinnacle moment for me, actually. <laughs> but my point is, I, is that I draw every day. I draw in a way that would suggest that it could be my profession, but it's not. It's very much not, because in college, I transferred out of my college's animation program into my college's graphic design program because I want to sleep in a bed and not on a floor in a sleeping bag under my desk, which I know is a thing that animators do a lot, even in America. 
Um, but that said, I have a fascination with depictions of modern cartoonists and animators and all that. Um, my favorite episode of Golden Boy is what is the last one when he goes to work at the animation studio. I freaking love Shirobako as a show. Um, I, there is a place in my heart. It's not like a big place or a significant place for shows like Bakuman. Because, and most of that is because Bakuman does a lot of fucked up things. Like a lot of fucked up things over the course of telling a story that's essentially propaganda for Shonen Jump of, please, we need fresh meat. We need more blood in the industry. Ichiro Oda's gonna die one day, and then what the fuck are we gonna do? What are we gonna do when he dies before finishing One Piece? Um, which, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but it's a possibility, being the way his, like, story arcs seem to work. And go on forever. Um, what are we gonna do? Like, and the other thing is, is that the stuff that they've incorporated lately, like Dr. Stone and My Hero Academia and uh, Black Clover, uh, are evolutions of the shonen battle formula, basically. They aren't extreme, they, they, they aren't, they are, in My Hero Academia's case, it's like a perfection of everything the shonen genre can be. In Dr. Stone, it's more of a, like, it's a thought experiment of, like, what does shonen look like with, like, these sets of trappings and these sets of main characters, and in Black Clover's case, it is all the things that you think should combine to make a good shonen action show but somehow it's terrible. <laughs> and my my point is, is that um, Bakuman... See, like, Bakuman's goal as a show is to get you to animate, to draw manga for Shonen Jump, basically. And it, it also... But the way it goes about it is it gets a little weird and, like, sexual and not cool... But, the so, enter our subject today, Comic Girls, and the reason why I gave all that in the beginning is because it all pertains to Comic Girls. So, if you haven't seen Comic Girls yet, I wouldn't blame you. It was from, um, it was from the spring 2018 season, so just last year. I know we're almost to the end of 2019, and time of the fucking construct, and you know, the world is falling apart and that makes time feel like it's forever. <laughs> um, but it's from last year, it's from spring of last year, so it's from early in the year last year. And what it seeks to do is it seeks to show you something that is really actually not unique, but not something that... not something that shows are often interested in. And that what I mean by that is it seeks to show you, and I'm sure as soon as I say this, people are going to pop back at me with like 9 million examples of just this. But it seeks to show you com young mangaka who've already moved past the point of like uh, the attempt of the first attempt and who are no longer, not necessarily struggling, but no longer like pushing, like, have to push themselves to, like, achieve the next goal. They are all, they are all, see, all the manga, all the girls that you meet in this who are mangaka are serialized manga artists. Um, the best version, I, the best thing I could, example I could draw as something of that, of, uh, the best comparison I could draw is, um, if you ever seen that show Jellyfish Princess, the Jellyfish Princess is about these like f five or four, I think it's four Hikikomori girls 
who just, like, occupy a house together, and one of them is a manga artist. I think she does historical romance manga. Um, and it's all about, like, all of their weird eccentricities, but they all have a thing that they are expert in. And Comic Girls is really similar along those lines. It follows your, like, perspective character in Comic Girls is this girl named Kofchan, and she is... Basically, they give you the idea that she's doing this, like, teenage romance manga, but it's not going well. Like, the... the so, the way that they... They have these list, they have these reader surveys all the time in um, manga magazines, and that's how they gauge popularity of a thing. And now they can even gauge it with what chapters are read, because you have um, companies like Jump, where they've done at least in Amer at least on in digital form, they've done away with the idea of the. Um, physical magazine that you get every week. In fact, I don't think you can anymore. I have, like, from three or four years ago to not to the last one they ever published. But the, what they've done now is they've broken it out to you can read it, you can read chapters and they segment they segment out the chapters by series. And you can go find the series you want to read and read it. Um, and if you don't have like a Jump Vault subscription and you like manga. The Jump Vault subscription is probably one of the best values ever. I think it's like $2 a month for everything. If that makes any sense. Um, but, it, and even if, I don't think it's more than 5 But that's a great value just for the sheer amount of stuff. And the sheer amount of influential stuff at that that you can go read. And I've heard other people say that, so unprompted by advertisers. So I feel confident in saying that and knowing that it's right. But, so that's basically how they, like, formulate a strategy of what lives and what dies in these magazines. They popularity poll, and in cases of digital, they can see what people are reading. Um, and Kostchan's manga isn't doing well. So as a kind of, like, boost to her creati creativity and boost to her confidence because part of the reason that she is not doing well, why her story isn't doing well, is because she's not... She doesn't have the confidence to make the hard changes in the manga that she that she wants to make, and she doesn't have the confidence to stick up for herself when she does make a change that she wants to keep. So her editor... And for, um, for our relations, just like in books, editors and manga have a lot of sway, and they have a, they have a personal relationship with their, like, mangaka, or their sensei, so to speak. And they refer, they refer to their mangaka as, like, cost sensei, so if, like, I was a mangaka, they refer to me as Alex Sensei. It's a industry thing. Um, but, the, uh, side note, fun, weird side note, I had a friend in, I had a friend in Jap, who, a uh, friend who was Japanese in college, and she, we were, like, doing a stupid 3D project, we had to make architecture out of cardboard, and somehow I became known as this cardboard wizard, like, I just knew how to do it really well, I, at some point, I made a, functioning human hand that waved um that like a little tab you could pull on it and waved at you and people were like oh my god he's just gonna make a person at some point but i was in a friend's apartment and this friend of mine was also a total like otaku weeb and i was explaining to uh my friend who i'm still friends with and this other woman like this is how you do this like this is the way you would manipulate this to get this result and my friend who I'm still friends with was like, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense, thank you. But my other friend was like, thank you, Alex Sensei, and it broke my, like, longtime otaku friend's whole soul. 
who is just like, oh, Alex is living the dream. But <laughs> that's really the only time I've ever been called sensei by another human. And it was mostly that girl um, fucking with my other friend. <laughs> I'm convinced. Um, and seeing if she could get a rise out of me. <laughs> and, and, which I did like, look at I'm like, yeah, don't do that again. That seems creepy. Um, but... <laughs> anyway, so... That's what's like a convention. So... Carlson's editor basically says, why don't you move into this all-female dormitory of mangaka? And... So Kof moves in as kind of the bottom rung of the ladder of this, like, set of other mangaka. And so this is something that doesn't... That happens naturally once out of college, but you have to work for it more when, when you leave college. And that is... Surround, creative people like to surround themselves with other creative people. Like, d designers tend to flock together, illustrate... Designers tend to flock with other creatives, illustrators, cartoonists, animators, all that shit. And you seek that out as a creative person because it's... the way. how should I put this? It's important as a creative person to have other informed, skilled, creative people to bounce ideas off of and talk to and get feedback from because why you as a creative person can continue to evolve and continue to be, you know, skilled and gain more skill, skill and talent as a, like, solitary person just working away, while that's true, it's also important to have other input, have other, um, how should I put this, to have other influence. And... You know, the internet has changed this a lot. I follow a lot of illustrators on Instagram. I, you know, I look up tutorials on YouTube, all that stuff. But I also do talk to other artists, talk to other creators. Um, that My episode last week about Yu Hawk Show was born out of me and Slate going back and forth on um, Instagram Messenger, on Instagram Messenger about, like, anime, and talking about anime, and, like, getting into it, he would, like, catch slip-ups I made, I would compliment him on videos, and be like, maybe you could do this differently, um, and that eventually leads to me thinking, like, hey, maybe I should just have him on the podcast, and I asked him, he was like, yeah, totally, and we nailed down a day, um, pretty late in the game, we figured out that we were on different timetables, which is hilarious. Um, or we were in, on different time zones, rather. But, um, that creative, being creative and thoughtful people, being around other creative and thoughtful people is an important part of a creative pursuit, so to speak. Uh, you can't exist without it, but there is so much benefit to existing with it, and... Uh, there is more benefit to existing with it than harm of being without it, if that makes any sense. Of of being of existing with it, if that makes any sense. And so, it's not uncommon for you know animators to live together. There's a project called the Amateur Animator Dormitory Project. It's not uncommon for cartoonists or designers or any kind of creative pursuit. To be really close and connected to each other. Um, but the and, and form that kind of community. Um, but in this case, it serves a dual purpose because Kostan needs to get better as an artist and a storyteller. So her um, editor makes arrangements for a move in with these other cartoonists and. What you see is you see you see the kind of lifestyle of mangaka and of young mangaka and of mangaka of all ranges, meaning like mangaka who are 
using a pen name and who are immensely successful but never have public appearances because they just don't want to deal with it. They're a fucking teenage girl. I get it. You see mangaka who have, like, also immensely thing, immensely popular things, but they haven't used this, but they, and they, while they use a creative name, it doesn't function like a pen name because they're out there. You see, uh, there's an episode early on where the, um, where a character, a side character, uh, one of Koss's roommates has to do a press junket, basically, for a, a signing of her manga, a, a, like, meet-and-greet of her fans. And she's, like, kind of freaked out. And she's like, oh, what am I gonna do? Oh, no! And then she, like, calms down, and it goes really well, and she, like, meets someone who, who's, like, life, life she changed, and she's like, holy shit, this is cool. And she's really glad she did it. Uh, and what... And I want to make a distinction between Comic Girl and Bakuman, because I think they could really easily be like, well, it's just like a Yuri-based Bakuman. That's not really what it is, because Bakuman is... Bakuman is done with all the... It's a story about budding manga... About budding manga writers. A, it's a story about budding manga writers who are a duo... And who, but it's done with all the trappings of a shonen action show, if that makes any sense. Like, they have struggles, triumphs, and breakthroughs, and they have, like, a budding, long-distance, but really short-distance fucking love thing that's so dumb. Um, so dumb. So gross. I can't stress that enough. I'll fuck you if you if you make it in the shonen jump kind of bullshit territory. Um I just, um but Comic Girls is more about the singular artist and the singular artist in their pursuit of making a successful manga and making that a career at a really young age. And to some extent making that successful they've you don't meet, uh, there's not a, like, there's not a, in the main cast, there's not a character who's a manga who hasn't already made the leap into being published. They are all published. We're not, we're not seeing them at the beginning of the career, we're seeing them somewhere in the middle, and that's really important because, how should I put this? In the, in the way that... <laughs> In a way that the old joke goes, what happens after rom-com and people say porn? I, there's this tendency to want to focus on the beginnings of things. And not so much on the end or the middle. Um, some stuff subverts this in an interesting way by showing you something close to the end first and working its way up to that. That's what Boruto does. Some talk about what the final conclusion is. That's what My Hero Academia does. Um, some aren't concerned with whether if they get there ever or not. That's what Bakuman ultimately does. I don't think... That, the anime doesn't... I didn't keep reading the manga because it was boring and the anime gets the gross shit so quickly that you like, ugh! And I don't think it lasted for long enough for you to be like, whoa, this concluded in a satisfactory way. But the... A good example of showing people who are successful already on some level is actually a show called um, Paradise Kiss. I've talked about it previously in this podcast. But that shows real working... Real people who work in fashion and who are successful and it focuses... It focuses on a character who is getting into modeling. Um, it focuses on Yukari, who is get a, who is becoming a model and having some success. And then by at the end of the show, at the very end of the show, you see that she is of like really successful high fashion model. But all around the edges, it shows you these what it looks like 
what it could look like to be a working creative person in fashion. And I, I find that really interesting as a, like, backdrop to that whole thing. Like, you meet Miwako's older sister, Mikako, and you see that she's a very successful, commer very commercial designer. Um, George, as a character, is very clearly going to be successful and very clearly already successful. Um, even if it's because he, you know, is born from, like, fucked up, super rich money. Um, you meet, uh, the professors at, um, Yazagaku Academy, who are very, who are all working in the fashion industry along with being professors. In that way, it is a lot like, um, the, the Fashion Institute of Technology, a school in New York that is solely devoted to like, the pursuit of and rearing of fashion talent, um, but the thing with FIT is, is it only allows you to be a professor there if, basically, if you work in the industry. So, it prefers you to have worked in the industry for some period of time before you are an instructor. So, I have an old family friend named Vincenzo, who worked in fashion merchandising for eons. Um, he ended up teaching with actually my mother at a different, in a, at a different school, but now he, because he has experience A as a teacher and B as a fashion merchandiser, I believe he's the head of the fashion merchandising department at FIT. Um, but you meet those kinds of characters all along the way in um, Paradise Kiss. And who you're focusing on in Comic Girl is, once again, not they're not starting their career. They're somewhere in the middle. They're, now, granted, they're probably somewhere early on, hopefully, but they're somewhere in the middle somehow. And you see Kostchan, like, come out of her shell and become a better artist from living with other artists and seeing that, like... Like, they have to go on a trip to, like, basically fancy dick blick. Um, actually, no, I think they go to Sunshine 60 or some equivalent, because they have to go and, like, buy new equipment. And so, the other thing about, the other thing that's different from this about other shows about animators or cartoonists is, and Shirobako does a really good job of this, there's no... There's no illusion that they're not living in the 21st century, if that makes any sense. Because yet, can you still do a manuscript by hand and, you know, draw it on paper? Yes. But I just got done at the beginning of this whole thing talking about drawing every day. Now, the truth is, I don't draw on paper because, quite, quite honestly, I would... I. I have behind my chair in my, like, viewing room slash studio slash bedroom situation, um, I have 20 years of sketchbooks. Meaning I have bought thousands of dollars of sketchbooks. I have, I have gone through thousands of dollars of paper drawing in my life already, and I'm only 30. <laughs> um... And then at some point, I said, you know, it would really be more cost-effective to, like, once every couple years, drop a big amount of money on a iPad or a tablet or something like that. And once I started doing that, the way I drew chains, the kinds of things I could draw chains, now, much like the Toast Geisha, I don't, I don't finish a drawing without coloring it first. And that, and that, that like, totally changes the way I draw and the way I think about drawing and the way I process drawing. Before, I would have drawn everything in pencil first and then done ink outlines, and then I would have erased everything, and then I would have gone and get gotten a, my collection of Copic markers and colored it all in and done all the complicated coloring tricks. Here, usually, now, usually my process is I 
draw the base body the way I want the body to be first. And then I put all the detail and clothing and, like, personality in with on another layer with basically a pen. And then I go through and I color it and I do all the coloring tricks and I bring in patterns and all this other cool shit. And tones and all that junk. Like I said, there, there's no wrong way to go about creating something. It's all in everybody's own process. But what... What this... What this show is not interested in... And I really appreciate this. Is it is not interested in... Romanticizing the creative process. And that's, that's something that lots of shows struggle to get away from it. But it's important that they do because the creative process is different for everybody. It's different for me. If you're listening to this and you draw at whatever level, it's probably different for you. Um, we all draw from different influences on how we, you know, perfect our creative process. And in in Kyle's chance um, case, she uses a Really, uh, I, and I looked them up, a really pretty expensive, but also very state-of-the-art personal drawing tablet. And that's a tablet that's equipped with, like, Photoshop and all that shit, but it doesn't need to be a, attached to um, a computer work. It's its own thing. It's basically a Microsoft Surface, but without a keyboard. Um, there's another character who, there's an I think one of the other characters uses something along the same line. Another person uses a tablet. I think another person uses straight up like a tablet on a computer screen. Um, and then the side, the supporting character who's a like rock star action manga artist is she uses. She does everything by hand. She has, like, small croquis and action figures and all this other shit. And it it's interesting because you see Kao's Chan learning from all of these other artists and seeing the way they do things and adapting it. That's the way a real artist works. So, I keep coming back to Bakuman because when compared to Bakuman, in kind of every way... Comic Girls is a better show. It's a better show about relationships, certainly. It's a better show about creativity and about the like act of creating a a commercial product. Because the the thing that most people don't get about um any creative pursuit that ends with the product you buy is the people who are successful are the people who can mold their creativity into a product. Who can focus it into a product. Say what you will about Kanye West. His end product may not be very good all the time, but he eventually you know, forces the beam to focus it at a point, and that creates a product that he can sell. Um... The 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 character the cast in in Comic Girls creates all create viable commercial products. And if you and if you're like Alex, that's not true. Take a look at um the hit song Old Town Road. That one song of the, that one. Song of the Year at, I think, like, Country Music Awards or something. But Blake Shelton's, and that's done by Little Nas X, and that is done, who's uh, traditionally a hip-hop artist, but he created this, like, masterful country, like, swagger song. But the top single from, the top single, which is a different thing, I don't know how, is Blake Shelton's God and Country. Now, if you know anything about Blake Shelton, he, 
he's on The Voice, he's dating Gwen Stefani. On some level, the, like, country boy thing can't all be real. But he, as an artist, as a professional artist, knows what sells, and he writes what his fan base will buy. That's different than Little Nas X as a creative person coming up with a product that explodes, generally from TikTok, because of TikTok, basically. Um, well, not only because of TikTok, but that's where it took off first. And there has to be a marriage between a bunch of things and creativity to produce that product. And this show is is about Kyle's Chan becoming a better artist, becoming a better artist and better illustrator, a better mangaka. But it's also about her figuring out how to add things to her own creative product that will help it sell better and help it do better. And that's a really that's a thing that people even beyond art school, struggle with. I am someone who you would describe probably as a millennial burnout, basically. And what I mean by that is, I had one profession that I burned the fuck out of. I used to be a, like, you know, big shot graphic designer in the New York City, like, freelance graphic designer scene. I, I worked for big department stores, big companies, big advertising agencies. I was the, um, to give you an idea, I was the, um, uh, interactive design director over at a magazine called Bridal Guide for most of 2015. I worked on the on that cool Cadillac campaign with Steve Wozniak on it. I worked for Cement Block, which is one of the big three um, pharmaceutical ad agencies on really cool inter- on really cool in- on really cool internal and external projects for them. I, you know, I worked for the for Century 21, the department store chain. I did big things in that in in that career. I ultimately burned out because I was just I was tired of the fucking grind, if that makes any sense, which if you're if you're anywhere close to my age, you're like, oh I get that man. But basically I I sold my cre I didn't sell my... T- I sold my skill and talent, but mostly my skill as a creative product and as a solution to people's problems. But the thing I did that lots of people of my ilk didn't do is I didn't turn down jobs because they weren't sexy. I turned down jobs because maybe they were I wasn't right for them or they weren't right for me for some reason. Lots of time, time constraints and bullshit. Um, but... I made a lot of my money doing what they call production work, which is basically shoring up other people's work and following through on the concept on a mass scale so it gets out the door. And oftentimes, freelance designers, the reason they get into freelance is because they want to do whatever they want. But the problem that happens a lot of time is whatever they want doesn't end up paying the bills. So when you see a show like Comic Girls about working mangaka, it's not just that they're doing what they love, that's part of it. It's that they're doing what they love and also paid their bills. Because at the end of the day, Kaos Chan's manga may not be doing that well, but it's doing well enough for her to afford a three to eight hundred dollar personalized drawing tablet that she can carry around with her. And that, that that's not nothing. That's really not nothing. Um, it's doing well enough for them all to afford their own rent payment every month. And um, I realize it's in Japan where healthcare cost isn't a thing. 
but that's important. Like, it's important that you do something with your creativity that you can make money, because if you... So I always tell this to people who are struggling with big financial decisions where they want to act with their heart over their head. I I say, if it makes sense from all directions, go for it. By all means. Um, But if it doesn't make sense financially, here's why you shouldn't do it. And I had a friend who um, is a programmer, and he was struggling with which job to take first. He could either go work for an NGO as a programmer, or he could go work for, I think it was um, Citibank as a programmer. And he had a real problem with working for Citibank because he was like, they're a big, evil banking corporation. I'd rather go, you know, like, give my time and my skill to this charity, to this NGO charity, and know that I'm doing some good instead of going and just making piles of money. And what I said to him, and I, and what he ultimately acted on, because he kind of was like, Alex, you definitely right about this, is I said, dude, you can go and you can work in the NG- at the NGO, and you can make no money, and that is the extent of the good you will do. Or you can go and you can work at Citibank, work on more complicated and challenging projects, and you can take, like, I don't know, a third of your paycheck that you won't miss because you'll make it, you'll be making so much money that it won't matter, and you can give it, and you can give that third of your paycheck to whatever charity your heart desires. And he ended up going with Citibank, cause, and I'm like, why do you, he's like, because you're kind of right. I can make I can make piles of money and just donate part of it and spread the good around better than if I was working at an NGO, you know, making enough for, like, a shitty apartment and ramen noodles. And (laughs) hilariously, he broke his arm skiing, like, a month into that thing and just his life became, like, fucked up because of that. But... Because he had, you know, three months of paychecks in the bank at a really high rate, that saved him. That got him to the next, that got him to the next stone. And basically the principle I pose there is, if you as a creative person don't figure out how to take care of yourself somehow, your skill and your ability not even your talent, your skill and ability will be wasted because you won't ever be able to get to the point where you're using it effectively. And one of the reasons why I burned out of my old career is because I didn't feel like my skill and ability were being used effectively because I was just grinding all the time. Um... But And when it was being used effectively, it became like a too-good-to-be-true scenario lots of times. And lots of that is me, lots of that the time period, all that shit. But uh, Comic Girl shows these, shows these mon- young manga artists who are trying their best to use their skill effectively and be... And, and, add, and add a creative product to the world that people want and people love. And, and that's really why I kind of love the show. It ha- For me, Comic Girls had the same quality as a show like um, that show Akka. I forget what the full name is, but like Akka 13, like, um, like the 13 States Inspection, ter- the 13 Territory Inspection Division. And it, what I mean by that is it has this, like, almost slightly bureaucratic feel to it. Like, it, it feels like you're, watch, like you're really watching the sausage being made. And you're, you're, being, you're watching the sausage being made. It's a little bit rainbow tint, it's a little bit rose-tinted glasses. 
but certainly not as much as something like um, Bakuman. And it's very... It's honest about what it is, but because of the characters they put together and because they are still slight, more than a little bit of anime archetypes, it has this, like, crunchy, warm feeling that, like, makes you want to watch it while under the covers on a, like, cool fall morning. And then, like, at some point you're like, ah, oh, I'm hungry, let's go make some biscuits. You make some biscuits and it's all... Like, it's all copacetic all the time. And that's really one of the things that, like, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week. Like, ah, comic girls. And that, just, that, that made me happy. So I thought I'd um, ramble on about it for an hour, like I usually do. Um, but that said, if you liked this episode, which I hope you did, you can subscribe to the podcast in your podcast depository of choice. And you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes really helps. But anywhere, anywhere that you can give ratings, I encourage you to like, rate and review me. Um, let me know what you liked. Let me know what you didn't like. Um, but until next time, I've been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk to you later.